Howdy, we're from Cambodia. I was just translating that to Virginian. It's really dark in Cambodia. Because, because there's a lot of folks that still do not yet know Jesus where we live. If we can go to the next slide. This is not, not oh, hi. <laughs> I know those guys. That one. That's not our house. I just thought we'd let you know. That's Angkor Wat, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. A lot of tourists come to see Angkor Wat in, in Siem Rip, Cambodia. But we'd like to show you and share with you about our family, your family, in Cambodia. You'll see a lot of slides of them. Is there no timing on this one? There is. Okay. That arrow points to where we live in Phnom Penh, where, where we are about one week out of every month. We're not traveling around that lake where most of the churches are. Those crosses represent over 50 churches, your brothers and sisters, who are among the least reached. 95% Buddhist. Most of them are first-generation Christians. So most spouses don't yet believe in the Lord. Or their parents or their children. Most face persecution of some kind. Most of them live in the countryside. Most and many are fishermen or sell things in the market. Most of them do not have enough food to eat. And most cannot read or write. Most of them who do not have access to clean water. Most struggle for access to a school. Most of them are desperate and have been touched by the trafficking industry. Most parents are forced to leave their homes and find work in the city, Thailand or Korea or Singapore or other countries. So many children are being raised by aunts and uncles, grandparents and neighbors. Many live in the city. All are impacted by the Khmer, uh, post-traumatic stress, either firsthand or secondhand because of Khmer Rouge. Some are university students. And many of them are children. 70% 70, 70 of the population in Cambodia is 30 years of age or younger. And even with all that we're telling you, they all testify to the true freedom that they have found in Christ. And there's a zeal to share the gospel. And they all want to learn more about this Christ that has changed their lives. And we just want to say... Thank you so, so much. Because you and have joined with us in prayer and support, and we thank you that we get the opportunity to be there uh, in Cambodia. Your extended staff, as it were, uh, in Cambodia. And our brothers and sisters in Cambodia want to bring greetings as well to you. So from them, howdy. I just translated that. We have a lot of stories of lives being changed, of the enemy being stomped on, of uh, reunited families, and uh, people being brought out of darkness. The most recent testimony that I will share with you this morning is about a gal that came up to me at one of our teaching times, so excited. She's new. Uh, I hadn't seen her yet because she's a new believer, and, uh, but she recognizes because this new church has been planted, she needs to be one of the leaders. So she's coming now for training. And she's telling me with joy. And so she couldn't even sit down. She had to stand up. How much God had changed her life. And all, how she sees everything so differently. And everything she does is so completely different. And she has this freedom now and this joy. She talked to me nonstop for 20 minutes. And at the end, when we had to go on to something else, she says, oh, and he healed me too. I had a disease for 30 years. And 
Even though I didn't ask him, he healed me. You know, it wasn't the healing of the disease that was the greatest thing. It was her changed life. In Cambodia, when we arrived, there were 17 churches uh, that, that we were able to uh, hook up with that were part of the Church of the Nazarene. And now there are 54 churches. Uh, that's not because of anything that we have done other than to be faithful to what he has, he would have us, God would have us to do. But our brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters in Cambodia, when they read the word that says, go and make disciples, they go and make disciples. It's a very cool thing. And we'd like to share some of the things that have been going on. If we can go on to the next slide. We'd like to share some of the things of how the church has been reaching out in Compassion. Through things like Rice Projects, uh, some of the giving that has come through Compassion Ministries has helped with Rice Projects. Bike distribution, over 500 bikes to allow kids to get to those schools that are not easily accessible. Clean water initiatives, which have included wells and education about sanitation and healthy living and just washing hands. University student housing for boys, for young men and young women that come to the city uh, to study, to give them a safe place to be and to disciple them. And leadership development has been probably the big key thing that we've been doing. From 40 people that were involved in the classes of training to over 140 now in uh, a couple of locations in the country. In that picture, there's a 19-year-old at the far end and a mid-60s at this end, but that's the age range of the folks that are involved. Translation of resources has been a huge thing because imagine not having a, just a bookstore that you can go to and buy stuff. So that's what we, that's also what we're part of. Let alone in their own language. Um, we are honored to be able to be here with you this morning. And when we come to the States, um, we love sharing about what God's doing in Cambodia. And um, I really would like to encourage you all not to make a quick left, but to think about making a right and stopping and getting one of our prayer cards. Because these, your prayers are so effective. Uh, one of our goals today is to continue making more friendships and more people who will partner with us in Cambodia. And um, there are so many times that something is happening and we don't even know how. There's no way that we personally could have made something happen, a straight road. We know that God intervened. And it takes a lot of people, a great body, working together to pray for us. Um, one of the things that happens when we're in the States, too, is that people ask us about, you can go ahead onto these next couple of slides, ask us about what's the most difficult thing about being in Cambodia, the most difficult thing about uh, life as a missionary. And honestly, the food can be a challenge sometimes. Those are fried frogs. Mm. And when, it, when you, your host offers the, your, these foods, you really do need to eat them. Sometimes that's a challenge. The language is definitely a challenge. This is Srak Khmer, Cambodia. Yeah, and the the um, what the weather? Yes, and it's raining half the time, hot and uh, dry half the time. It's always hot, and this last year it has been a challenge because it rained so much all year because we prayed for rain because we'd had a drought for a couple of years, that my clothes stay wet in the closet because of the humidity. And I could talk about a lot of other things. Like, there's no doubt that it's difficult to be away from your family and children. But really, the most difficult thing is me. It's me. 
Sometimes I get in the way. Sometimes I get too worried about whether I can speak the language right or not because I get the words mixed up. Even in English, I do. And sometimes I just don't feel brave. And sometimes I'm tired. And I have certain fears and things I don't like. One of them is cockroaches. Um, I won't go into everything, but I, I don't like them. And I have a certain sound that I make when I see one. Come on, confess. You do too. <laughs> he knows that sound. It's a cockroach-only sound. <laughs> and he'll say, I'll be right there, honey. If he's not there, I really do know how to get rid of them, take care of them. But um, we also have um, these wonderful people called Agis. And they're usually a different people group um, and they, uh, in Cambodia. They, they are trash collectors. And um, one day, uh, I had saved a whole bunch of my plastics and cardboard and stuff, and I heard the Agi going down the street with her cart behind her, going, Agi, Agi. So I ran and grabbed my stuff and went to the gate, opened the gate, started giving her the stuff, putting it into her cart, turning around and talking to her, and she's got a krama like that, but it's wrapped around her head. And in Cambodia, we don't have much personal space when we're talking. We get close, holding hands sometimes or elbows, and it's not unusual to smell each other's lunch or even to touch heads. And as I'm getting closer and closer to her, I look at her krama. I like kramas. And she has a cockroach crawling in and out of her krama. It wouldn't be right for me to tell her about that cockroach. Because she's got more in her, and I'm reminded, oh, that's right, she's got more in her cart. And here I am, surrounded by cockroaches, I'm sure, because I knew that cockroach wasn't alone. It was a miracle, though. <laughs> the sound did not come out of my mouth. And the Lord guided my eyes to look in her eyes. Because she's more important than that cockroach or my fear. And that's why we're in Cambodia, for her and the relationship that I'm building with her and others. I got to pray every day to help me not get in the way. And we need to do that wherever we are, in our homes, our workplaces, in the United States, whatever country or location that we're in. Because we gotta, we, we've got to be obedient to him and keep focused on the purpose. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one. Just a smile 
good all the time and all the time God is good it's a uh, it's a privilege for Deb and I to be able to be back with you guys um, it's been a couple years I think since we were here last um, one thing I just want to as I start as we start today or as I start today uh, briefly um, I just want to remind us today that there is no difference between any of us in this room except where our yes to Jesus has us in obedience, right? I mean, Debbie and I are in Cambodia because we just wanted to say yes to God, wherever that, wherever that was, wherever that is. We just want to be obedient today to that, particular, to that particular calling. And don't ever think that you're ever, 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 ever too young to follow Jesus and be an influencer for him. And don't ever think that you're ever, 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 ever too mature to be an influencer for Jesus. Because God has each of us in the unique place where he would call us to be, to be salt and light, to be a bridge of peace to the world that is around us. 
And we get to be in Cambodia, a first-generation uh, place where there are so many first-generation believers. Imagine living in a country where the stories about Jesus are not, they're just not told because nobody really knows them. 95% Buddhist where we live, uh, 3% Islam, 1.6% followers of Jesus where we live. So a lot of first-generation Believers, if you want to maybe have an understanding of, of what the culture might look like or what the countryside might look like, when you read in the Old Testament, the first portion of the, of the Bible, it talks a lot about spreading trees and altars that are at spreading trees and altars that are everywhere because the people were very religious around the people of Israel, who were the people of God, that were bringing light to the world, there were other peoples, and those peoples were constantly seeking to know Creator God, and they were trying as best as they could with their own efforts, religiously, to seek and to find Him. And, and in the Old Testament, you read that under a spreading tree, there would be offerings, and there are high places, and on the mountaintops, there would be high places. And if you were to come to Cambodia and drive on the roads that we have an opportunity to drive on, you would see spreading trees with altars, and you would see in people's front yards altars to different spirits. You would see in their, in their homes altars, shelves, spirit shelves, and on the high places, the little mountains that we have in, we don't have big mountains in Cambodia, we have little nubs in Cambodia. But on the top of those, you would see, you would see Buddhist temples and high places of worship. So as you read the Old Testament the next time, you can picture what it was like there. And Paul, in the, in the New Testament, he was, he was dealing with a people also in the book of Ephesians that were first-time, first-generation followers of Jesus. And he was giving them advice on how to live and what was the best way to live because they were trying to Im imitate and emulate the gods that they were trying to serve and appease. And so in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, he starts to lay out for them what it is to be the body of Jesus because each one of us has a certain gift and we all contribute to the body of Christ. No one of us is exactly the same. Each one is unique in the contribution. And so the more pieces that you have of the body, the more complete that that body is, Paul goes on to say. And he goes on to say that God desires to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to his power, God's power, that is at work where? Within us. Wow. So I don't know if I would trust me with that, right? The God of the universe would trust us. And then he says to them that they're all called, some are called to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers to build up the body of Christ. And some have the, the, the gift of giving and administration and other gifts. And then he says, this is how, I, this is how you need to live. This is how you need to be. Be an imitator of God, not of the gods that you see around you, but of God himself, God the Father, who is loving and compassionate and accepting. And he says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And the implication is so that you would be like your folks, like your parents, that you would take on those characteristics, just like a child looks to his parents or her parents for the example that they are to set. 
Now, for those of us that are parents in here, do you remember the day that your parent popped out of you when you were talking to your child? Yeah, yeah, I see, yeah, I see that. I remember vividly the day that I was talking to Joshua, my son, our son, and, and we were having a discussion. I think he was probably 13, and we were having, you know, those discussions at that age, right? So I looked at him, and I said, Joshua Adam Kleinfeld. Yeah, right, the three, right? The three. And it was at that moment, the last time that my hand came down just like this, that I realized I was leaning forward on my right foot, that my left foot was slightly raised in the back, that I, my voice had deepened, that my hand had formed the arm of my father. <laughs> and I was like, no, this cannot be happening. See, my dad taught us it's impolite to point. So he used his entire hand. <laughs> That's exactly right. So he used his entire hand, man. He just took it. Yeah. Now, did my dad sit me down and say, Rolf, when you want to confront somebody, this is how you do it. Turn at a 45-degree angle. Lean forward on your right foot. Lower your voice. Speak from the diaphragm so that your words have power. Raise your hand thusly. Lower it slowly for emphasis. No. My dad didn't sit me down and teach me that. I just learned that because I spent time with I lived with him. And Paul was telling the early believers, imitate your father who is loving and patient and accepting of all people. Some of the examples that I got from my parents, as probably some of the examples that I passed down even to our children, were not the best. But the Father gives us the best example. And seriously, when we talk about the church growing, it is not because of, it's not because of anything special. But the new followers, the new first generation followers of Jesus in Cambodia are modeling that, are truly being imitators of their Father, loving, accepting, arms open, wide to all peoples. When we traveled, and those pictures that we saw at the beginning, uh, we were traveling as a team, our leadership team. We traveled to each and visited each of the churches to let them know, to talk about what the church was and who we were and how we were all together in this. All of these pastors had come together for the, the training times. As I said, we have about 140 that are involved in the training. And so we had our leadership team, or the district advisory board, and we were visiting each church because some of them had not had opportunity to see some of the churches. See, uh, Cambodia is the size of Missouri without the infrastructure. So the roads are, you know... Not, some of them. Anyway, so as we were traveling and visiting these churches, and one of our pastors was teaching and, and helping review with the church, what the, with the local church, what a local church was. And he was reminding them that a local church is a body of believers that comes together around a certain doctrine and a certain mission. Because they, they know that that's how God has designed us, to be together, because we can do more together than we can separately. And then he said, without the local church, you have nothing else within, within the denominational structure of the, of, the of the Church of the Nazarene. Because local churches unite with other local churches so that they can do more together by offerings and prayers. And so when one church has, maybe has a lot, they can help another church that doesn't have a lot. And then he said, 
and all of those districts come together because we as a church of the Nazarene are in 162 world areas with over 2 million, 2.5 million members around the globe. And then he looked at everybody sitting down and he said, so when you're out here and you think you're all by yourself, you aren't. You have family around the world. I cannot tell you, I cannot express to you adequately enough what it's like when our brothers and sisters come, our brothers and sisters come from the other parts of the world where it's closed and, and difficult situations, and they walk into, uh, we just had our general assembly in the Church of the Nazarene, that's a four-year gathering for the entire church, but where, where decisions are made, and, and during that time when one of our brothers comes from one of the countries like where we live, they will walk into a service like this and they will look to the left and they will scan and there's 5,000, 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 people worshiping on Sunday morning, 20,000 people worshiping on Sunday morning. And the response that they give as they grab your arm is, this is my family. I really am not out here by myself. This is my family family and on the leadership team as this one pastor was talking about stuff he pointed to me and he said look Rolf was born in Germany he married an American and he points to Debbie it's true he married an American and then he points to himself and he says I'm Cambodian and he points to one of the guys at the end and he goes and he's gooey that doesn't mean that the person was sticky or anything else like that that's just one of the 31 people groups that are in Cambodia and then he goes to the next person and he says and he's from a different tribal group and then he points to another pastor who is a Vietnamese pastor who married a Khmer woman and then he goes down the list and he goes look we are an international church but we're the imitators of God and the dearly and the love and the acceptance that is happening was really displayed as in what he did not say but that everybody knew Men on this board literally fought against each other in the Vietnam conflict. Part of them being part of the loyal government forces, part of them being part of the Khmer Rouge, part of them being the invading force of Vietnam. Yet here we are, laughing, sitting, eating stuff together. Because these first-generation believers learn to what it is to be an imitator of God as a dearly loved child. And then the admonition that Paul says, imitate the Father and then walk in the way of love or live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And when you think about Jesus who made the greatest cross-cultural move ever from heaven to earth. Why? Because he was not satisfied that we should be separated from our Father. So he wanted to come and walk among us, live among us, sit among us, talk, laugh, cry, tickle. Can't you see Jesus tickling kids? I can. It just kind of makes me want to go and tickle a kid. I've got... We've got five grandchildren. No, I'm not going to come down there. Don't worry. <laughs> Though I am tempted now. Anyway. But Jesus came and he was not satisfied. And for someone in a Buddhist context, 
this is a huge, huge statement that the Word became flesh in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and set up His house with us or moved into the neighborhood with us. Because they put that verse with the first verse of the Scriptures in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John, in the beginning was the Word, and then John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And so our pastors that live that kind of life where, like that teen, we walk together, we cry together, we hurt together, they share together. One of the pictures that was up here um, a while, a while ago that had the slide that said 17 churches to 54 churches. There, were, there was a picture of, of, uh, of children that were singing in that particular church. And that particular church is, is pastored by a widow who has adopted children in her neighborhood because of the things that we shared about. Their parents have gone to Thailand to work or another country to work. And so she has gathered these children in this village where she lives. And they are almost like first generation, but starting off really young. So they're, they're beginning to learn the songs of faith, the songs about Jesus. And when we visited her church, which was this tiny little hut that, that, you, can't, that you can't stand up in. It's her house, it's her church, it's where everybody gathers. It's an awesome place. And, and so the children are clapping, and we dance in services there. And so it, it's cool to do that. And, and if you wanted to do that, you could do that here too. I'm, I'm sure Buddy and Gabe won't mind that at all. They'll probably jump and shout if you do. Anyway, just try it sometime. I hope they're not listening. Anyway, so, uh, so but, but as they are dancing in the house where, that we are in, which OSHA would never approve of, is as they're dancing, the house begins to dance, just like this. And we're all going, whoa. <laughs> so if you didn't want to dance, you were there. But that particular house, because of its construction, we had some high winds, and those, and her house was just blown down because of all that. And then because... Our family, your family, lives as Jesus does and lives a life of love. There was an informal phone tree that began with different pastors saying, hey, did you hear about Pastor Tomachiat and the problem that she had with her house that does not exist? And calls were made, nothing to any people outside the country, but the district, all these churches that are gathered together, began to make calls, and in three days she had enough funds and people came and helped her build a new house for her to worship in. That's the body of Jesus. That's why God is growing his church where we live. So my challenge to all of us today, stay calm. I know you're in that series. Stay calm when you see a roach on somebody's head. My call would be to be imitators of your father as dearly loved children so that when someone cuts you off on 95, you bless them. You bless them. Because maybe they're having a horribly no good, very bad day and they just need an extra touch from Jesus 
And he, had, he allowed them to cut in front of you because he knew that you would pray for them kindly. And live a life of love. So whether you're in school and walking the hallways or at your place of work, that you would allow God to work through your hands and your feet to the people that are around him so that they could see the God whose arms are open wide, the God who has moved into the neighborhood, the one who sits down and listens and cries and laughs and tickles. Because that's who God has called us to be, whether that's here or wherever our yes to Jesus has us. I want to pray for you and pray for us. Ask Kelly to come up. I'm going to pray in Kamai, and then I'm going to translate that. Akum prabobida samraptangani da praamacha trahau yung teng achani jo rum kani nang tvai bungkum da praamacha yung tu bungkum do som atitang chumpu bungpo on na utini na Fredericksburg ni. Father God, I thank you for this day that you have called us to come and to lift your name in worship today. I lift my brothers and sisters here in Fredericksburg and around the world and ask God that today, that you would grant your power and your presence to be upon us so that all that we would say and do would bring you honor and glory that we truly might be imitators of you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Appreciate it, Deb. Thank you so much. <clears throat> you know, folks, I don't know if you're touched by that. I mean, it's, it's one of those um, messages that really is just very challenging because there's so many things that we're faced with and you wonder, I mean, how can I imitate God in that way? And, and we fail so often and that's really the hard part is every time you let yourself down and you let him down and you, um, in the face when you have an, an opportunity to share love and the old person comes out, man, it's just, you feel like, you just you know, what's the point? And then you take a moment and you remember that there are people that are out on the front lines in a whole other place that are experiencing a whole other set of issues that are just pressing forward, you know? So anybody after that feel like there might be called to Southeast Asia as a missionary? Anybody want to raise a hand? I mean, 90,000% humidity. There's two. That's good. All right, you're doing good. That's a win. All right, eat fried frogs. Anybody? I mean, because I'm willing to tr probably try that. I haven't shied away from much. But... Um, you know, if, if you're not feeling called to go to Southeast Asia, then certainly you might be feeling called to help somebody go to Southeast Asia, right? I mean, unless you want to go, which I would support you in that, and I think that'd be awesome. We've already got some folks that are on the ground, believe it or not, that are doing the job, that are spreading hope. Now, some of you live paycheck to paycheck, but live well. But think about what is it like to only eat what you grow and barely make it day by day by day. What kind of hope do you pillow your head at night having? 
And then somebody shows up and they say, there's another answer. There is hope. And then you see the smiles on those faces and it just lights up. Man, we have a chance to participate in that. If you don't want to go, then send them. Send them back. We're going to take an offering. I know we do this quite often. We, take, we call them love offerings. And it's because where God's grace is, love abounds all the more. Meaning, when you take a moment and you recognize who you were and who you still fight as who you are, and that God loves you anyway, that grace produces love. And love is an action word, meaning you need to do something about it. It's easy to say you love someone or love something when you don't have to do anything. But this is a doing kind of church, right? So when we say we take a love offering, it's because we believe that there's people outside of Fredericksburg that also need hope. And we believe that God's called two people and many more are there to spread hope and to do it for us. And we participate in that. And one day, the Bible says when we get to heaven, there'll be a long line of people that are coming up and thanking us. And I know I've got people to thank, and we all do. Thank you for giving. And so I'd ask you, when the buckets come by, any, any way you choose to give. You know we've got kiosks outside. You can use the app. If you're online, you can use the green give button. All of that, 100% of that money that we collect is going to go to furthering this ministry and participating in the body of Christ there. I know they'd appreciate it, we'd appreciate it, and the Lord will bless you for it. So thank you for your faithfulness.
God, we thank you for Roth and Debbie's ministry, Father. God, what you're doing in Cambodia, Father. God, I just pray that you continue to bless them, Lord. And all that they are doing, continue to draw people unto you, Father. God, I just pray that we would go here and wherever you've called us, God, to be your hands and feet, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are. We rejoice and we praise you forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we love you guys. So glad that you joined us this weekend. We will see you right back here next one. Have a great week. God bless you all.